Welcome to the Neojatron Podcast. My name is Isaac Kamins. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week we conclude our Sun Ludong episodes and we finish up by talking about uh, Sun's Bagua and his connection with Taoism and Taoist cultivation methods and how he was really into this concept of using Taoism in Bagua Zhang as a way of developing uh, spirituality. Then in the Patreon episode, we discuss uh, Liu Hongjie's Buddhist teacher, Tan Shu Fa Shir. Uh, it'll be a two or three part episode uh, about his life and uh, his teachings and his connection to Liu Hongjie. Uh, so check that out. Uh, give it a listen. Uh, there's also interviews and other things on the Patreon as well. All right. Hope you enjoy the episode and thanks for listening. Welcome to the Nejatron podcast with Isaac and Jess. Today we wanted to finish our discussion of Sun Ludong, the great internal martial arts master of the earliest 20th century. We've been looking at closely at his Bagua and uh, some of the things in his Bagua book where he described some of the more theoretical and philosophical concepts behind it. And indeed, this book goes way into the theory and energy and cosmology and Taoist practices. So we're going to conclude our discussion of Sun by looking towards the end of his Bagua book, where he gets into some of the most esoteric uh, discussion and concepts that are pretty interesting. Let's just dive into it. I wanted to first test give one last little biographical bit from Sun Ludong student Chen Wei Ming, the famed Tai Chi master. He wrote in 1923. After Sun Ludong had learned the boxing arts of Xing Yi Bagua and Tai Chi, he feared that with the passage of time, their genuineness would be lost. Thus, he produced this book, relating the essential ideas of previous generations of teachers so as to give them free reign. After he completed the manuscript, he told me to write a preface. These three boxing systems are fundamentally the same in concept. Most emphasize using strength to defeat an opponent, thereby corrupting their own essential source. But by not seeking to defeat your opponent, your spirit is in motion and the mechanics of your movement are rounded, rendering the opponent incapable of defeating you. Your source thus remains pure. And by being pure, your skill conforms with the Wei or Tao. Indeed, Sun's books all conform to the messages of Taoism. So this is part of that whole sense that all the three main internal martial arts are connected. And he ends this little section by saying, by not seeking to defeat your opponent, your opponent is incapable of defeating you, which seems counterintuitive to say the least. This, is, this must have something to do with that concept of emptiness that he keeps coming back to. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot to unpack there. Um, I mean, I think the first big thing he's saying is that uh, you know the Neja Chuan idea, right? That that all these things are doing essentially yeah. the same thing, and it's just <clears throat> it's different shapes, but but the same goal, kind of. And that goal is to become one with the Tao, or to reach this level of enlightenment, as we would call it. <clears throat> and I think he's just kind of reinforcing this idea that there was this at least in Sun Ludong's mind, a very direct connection between the practices you do in Taoism and the practices you do in uh, Bhagwajan. 
And so what do you think? Like when it comes to sparring or some kind of practice like that, if you don't seek to defeat your opponent, how are you going to possibly win? Um, uh, yeah, that one's one. That's <laughs> a little bit of a stretch. I think it's not that you don't seek to uh, succeed. Mm. Maybe it would be a way to put it. I, but it, it has to do with that. Are you trying to, you know, is your goal to defeat that person or is your goal to uh, not be defeated? Maybe it would be mm. one way to look at it, right? That, that Or to defeat your own dinner demons in the long run is your higher purpose. Well, and that's the real big message there, I think, is that it's about self-cultivation beyond anything you're going to do in a fight. But just go into that thing of not wanting to win in a fight. Um, it, it's really more about I would say not mm. celebrating it that so when you do something good, you mm. don't go, Oh, I did something good. Right. That, that it's this idea that if you are fighting, the goal should be to essentially end the fight without getting hurt. And ideally maybe not hurting the other guy too, but that the goal shouldn't mm. be, I must defeat this person. The way, the way I was sort of, it was explained to me was, um, uh, what you do to someone else, you are doing to yourself, right? That in terms mm. of car, in terms of the karma, which is I think what he's talking about here, that when you do something to another living thing, it is on a energetic level also happening to you. Mm -hmm. uh, so why like hurting people for fun isn't really good for your karma, right? Like he says on here, you you can you can corrupt your own essence. Right. You can start to enjoy breaking people's bones, essentially. And I think a big part of why these guys got interested in doing meditation and Qigong work along with martial arts is they realized that there are mental and physical repercussions from violence, whether they be whether you win or not. Right. You still got to deal with the karma of it. Um and I think that one of the big elements of doing meditation in martial arts is that you have an outlet for it so you don't go a little bit bonkers. And all more to the point, this is written in 1923 in the midst of the warlord period, where if you've learned about that at all, it's it, no time period could be let's just, worse. Let's, <laughs> let's just say uh, Sun Ludong saw some shit, as no we doubt. would say. No doubt. And I love how he says your skill, if you remain pure and you quotes and your skill conforms with the way, it's almost like you get a slight advantage in the battle. If And maybe that's because you're not questioning yourself or you're not letting bloodlust cloud you. You're, you're sort of centered in yourself and you're going to make better decisions just overall because of that. And so it does give you a slight benefit in conflict. Yeah, it's also not great. Uh advertising to say if you do this you might lose <laughs> <laughs> nobody so, wants you know, to do that i mean all martial arts that the, there are all their their pitches always if you do this you will be invincible right. or you will, you will be unbeatable but i i think the unbeatable thing isn't again to get sort of philosophical about it it's not about winning or losing sure. the fight right because you can walk away from the fight without and and not and being win, defeated right yeah. and you and you essentially win right i mean and i think that the 
if you are engaged from this point of view, I mean, I'm not saying this is necessarily what I believe, but that if you're engaged in this idea that once you can achieve the way, the Tao, uh, whatever is happening is quote unquote meant to happen. Mm. So all you can do is flow with it, right? So the, the idea that in Bhagavad Jung, you know, especially if you're fighting more than one person, you can't be in control of everything that's happening around you, but you can flow with everything that's happening around you. You can control yourself within that conflict. Again, think of the, you know, the log floating down the river. It has no control over the fact that it's floating down the river. It can't steer itself. All it can do is relax and just be a log floating down the river. And that's kind of what he's saying is that at a certain point, all you can do is be whatever, however close to this essence you can get. That's all you are. And in a fight, all you can do is kind of accept the reality of it and hope for the best. So to finish this little biographical piece, arriving in Beijing, Sun Ludong had heard that Cheng Tinghua, a student of Dong Aichuan, was excellent at the Bagua boxing art. He visited him and fully received the art. Cheng helped him become more agile than ordinary people and was pleased to instruct him. Sun Ludong never refused a challenge, and he was never defeated. Therefore, Guo and Cheng, his teachers, both supported him by saying, this is a student who is truly incapable of humiliating his teachers, wow. which is a pretty good praise. It's high, high praise. I mean, sure. so he goes from Taoism to being undefeated in challenge matches, which I, I just keep seeing that dichotomy in this book. He keeps switching back and forth from those two things. And that's such a big part of internal martial arts is it has to be effective. And it also has to incorporate some, some more deeper concepts and ideas. At least that's right. how Master Sun would see it. Yeah. And it's, a, I think, what, you know, it's also about what happens before and after the fight mm. and what that and what that does to you because mm. all you have to i mean you can look at almost any uh professional fighter after they're not a professional fighter one of the biggest things they have to struggle with is what do you do mm. because you're not doing the thing that you were trained and loved to do mm -hmm. so most of them end up teaching or something like that but it is one of those uh things that affects people you know a lot of them turn to drinking and drugs sure too because it's if you're hurt it, and feeling pain right they're, they're in pain from all the injuries and and they want to sort of chase that rush a lot of them eat too they're a big thing of you know athletes and fighters when they get yeah. older they just they fill that void with food right because you have to cut weight for fights so it's it's brutal right. for you, your whole career it's so demanding well, and you're conditioned also to take in a lot of calories when you're working out you're training so bunch, I think yeah. it, it becomes a challenge it's, there's something unbalanced definitely of you know the, the life of a pro fighter it's right so, it ain't normal. So i think what these guys were getting at is that you can become as they would put it unbeatable but still maintain a certain level of uh health and sanity along the way if you do some work at it. So let's jump ahead to chapter 21, the attributes of active fire and passive compliance in Bagua boxing. So this first paragraph is, is a pretty interesting look at it. Once hardness and softness balance each other, firmness and suppleness will complete each other. Within active, there is passive. And within passive, there is active. Passive and active in unison is the whole theory of nature. You will be rounded smooth, meaning your energy is without gaps. 
completely purified, meaning your energy is not confused, and with a vibrant complexion, energy without restriction. You will have achieved a divine rebirth. So that's something transformative here about combining hardness and softness and balancing them in some way. And then he describes a very like enlightened state where you're completely purified and your energy has no restrictions. Um, and there's no gaps, which is interesting because that's, that's part of the sort of sparring training we'd have of, of finding gaps in your opponent's awareness and in your own. Um, now you're, you're so unified, you have no gaps. Well, he's also talking about, I think, the, the idea that your own energy has no gaps within it, right? That um, big part of Qigong, for example, is getting rid of the uh, gaps inside of your body, right? The, the places you can't feel. Stuck points there. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, again, I mean, this you could get really intellectual and philosophical about all this stuff. But I think what he's really saying is once you develop these principles internally and in your practice, they change you a little bit. They make you softer and smoother and more unified, mm. right? All, all that stuff about your energy being vibrant and all that that's just a way of saying you're healthy and strong and there's that emphasis on unifying all your mind your awareness your energy your body like there's an obsession with balancing and unifying all those things well that's a that's a major theme in Taoism and and Nagong and that whole sort of you know self-cultivation speaking of which the next paragraph is this so he's talking about this unification. This concept is a pill of golden elixir, a precious pearl suspended in the void. Through silence and stillness, there is sensing and understanding. And then through sensing and understanding, there is silence and stillness. So he's quoting something. Right, that's from Mengzi. He's referring to an older, uh, this idea. Right. Of, uh, he's saying that, that this is the equivalent of doing the golden elixir practice in meditation that that this bagua practice is the equivalent right. of that that golden pill you're going to make that golden elixir by doing this unification training within bagua and there's constant stillness and constant responsiveness there's right. sensing so then, and then there's silence right then he's listing the things that occur as you do that and they're all they're all opposites that constantly occur simultaneously. Yeah. He says, once I swallow down this elixir pill, I will then know that my destiny is no longer in the hands of fate. With increased practice, I refine spirit and return to emptiness, breaking through the veil of illusion and freeing my tree self, true self, eternally unsullied. This is another section from uh, Mengzi, one it's of the also- great Taoist books. Right. It's also in Ludong Bin. It's, it's all over the place. This idea that um, you have to develop, you have to unify, and then you have to uh, bring it all back to the center. Right. And it, there's this like continual like theme of in order to find the way, you have to balance yin and yang and move or or i mean i think of it as movement but it's it's take this pill right this do do something with it kind of you take the pill you take action in some way so i think the swallowing down the elixir pill is is not 
talking i mean well i think originally they were trying to find an an actual pill but later it became this idea of the pill is doing meditation doing qigong doing nagong doing martial arts whatever container you want to do it in but that was the 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 shift and so again this idea of destiny being out of your hands you're just accepting your fate for what it is and flowing with it not trying to force it it's good good advice he ends by saying my colleague shang and shang is an example of someone who in recent times has deeply grasped this theory which i thought was cool he's calling out a fellow martial artist in his book um and we talked about master shang and shang uh, some episodes ago during the Xingyi portion of yeah. the season. Yeah. And he's a well-known Xingyi master who was also in this lineage of Liu Hongjie, who we've been sort of tracking. Yeah. Um, and here's Shang appearing inside Sun Ludong's book, who was known primarily for being a real badass. You know, he was a divine crushing foot uh, fist and the iron foot Buddha were his nicknames, well-known caravan guard and fighter. And here he's being associated with internal alchemy and, internal internal elixir practice i mean it's interesting that he's referring to the divine right and uh shang, shang's nickname was, <laughs> was the divine <laughs> crushing fist right so, yeah. you never know so, yeah interesting so again it's just part of that whole idea that a lot of these guys were involved in legitimizing martial arts through bringing in taoist ideas and concepts and and perhaps also finding them useful going and back and get, forth between each other and talking about what you do after the fight is over mm-hmm. and, and how you can really not just survive it, but thrive and benefit from it. Right. Mm. That, that he's saying, you know, Shang Yang Shang is somebody who uh, through martial arts developed this inner spirit or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that, that says a lot about doing martial arts, but it also says a lot about Shang Yun Shang. I mean, <laughs> he wasn't just a bruiser. He had this other yeah. stuff going on as well. So there's a few more paragraphs I wanted to bring out. Boxing arts are ultimately a means of practicing emptiness and thereby joining with the way or Tao. This is the true meaning of transforming into a condition of perfect emptiness and perfect nothingness. When not moving, there is stillness within. Emptiness without. When something unexpectedly suddenly happens, even if you neither see it nor hear it, you can nevertheless sense it and evade it. So that's, again, this discussion of emptiness. And there's there's like a fullness that goes with the emptiness. It's not like you're spaced out and something knocks you in the side of the head. It's like your mind is so clear, you sense things that, you, that maybe you couldn't even hear coming. And there's a, a sixth sense that arises from that. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, emptiness is, is a, I think it's a bad translation, but there isn't a better one. Um, it, it's the emptiness of uh, thought, if you will, but it's not the emptiness of intent, mm. right? I mean, the, uh, to me, it's not, empty- your mind isn't filled with thoughts and feelings and memories and graspings and like little bits and pieces. There's more something. Well, it's empty it of that crap, kind of. Yeah, but but your mind isn't empty. Mm. Like the, the, the 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 I think it, the the misconception is the somehow that your mind goes away. No, your mind is still, if you will, full. It's just that inside of your mind there is no there is no thought. There is no um, 
I will do or, uh, you know, I should do or any of that stuff. Um, and it's just the awareness of consciousness, right? It, and that's the Wuji is just becoming aware of the awareness of your own consciousness before anything that we would call a thought comes into our mind. There's a consciousness of my mind wants to make a decision, right? Whether I'm conscious of it, you are, that's a whole nother state, but like that, that does happen. There is a consciousness that exists. The, the, as Jung would call it, the collective unconscious, right? This thing that exists in all of us that when we decide to make a thought, we're like clicking into that. And, and I think there's a piece about when you're doing martial arts, like you have to, you have to make a decision to move without gapping, mm. without without there being a break between when you think or, or tell yourself move and the body actually moves the, the less time, there. the less time there is between those two things, the better. Right. And that's where the, I think this idea of enlightenment, right. Being just a consciousness that doesn't gap that, and that's what he's talking about is that you can develop this mind, this consciousness, or as they would say, you know, the mind of no mind, right? Yeah. That, that, that has comes from this place. Earlier, he was talking about not having this desire to overcome your opponent. And I think part of it, that's what that emptiness is saying. If, if you're so focused on the person in front of you, something from behind you can hit you. So you, you can't, you can't just lunge forward. You've got to like keep your awareness empty of, grasping mm -hmm. demanding controlling thoughts and instead flow with the way things mm -hmm. are happening and uh that must have something to do with this emptiness and this and he calls it yeah. the Tao, which is pretty i think emptiness is kind of the it's the gateway to the Tao, right that before you reach the great be you know void of emptiness that is the Tao, where you click with everything you first have to find your own emptiness your own inner kind of peace or whatever where you're that would be that unification right. you get yourself together and then maybe you can merge the, with the, the rest seventh of the eight bodies is the body of the individual right so before you go to the body of the Tao, you you have to unify yourself so that it's your whole self that goes into that final stage uh, for example most traditions that it, you don't make that jump until you die. Taoism uh, mm, sure. has a thing about doing, you know, if you can live long enough and practice long enough, you can, you can make that jump while you're still breathing. Um, so it's, it, but it is saying that, that again, you know, just to repeat it, he's saying that this is what Bagua is, is it's a means of getting to that place. It's not just a means for stomping somebody's head into the ground, but it works for that too. So the very last paragraph I wanted to touch on, mm. he uh, calls back to previous generations. He says, of those who were able to attain this Tao in these three boxing arts, I know of only four. In Xingyi boxing, there was Li Nengran. In Bagua boxing, there was Dong Aichuan. In Taiji boxing, there was Yang Luchan and Wu Yuxiang. These four men were all conscious of the unseen and unheard. So those guys had a level of awareness and emptiness so deep that even right. the unseen and unheard, and that, they could, they could, that's deflect. basically the modern founder of Xingyi 
Uh, Lee Nang Ren, we haven't talked about Lee, him yet, but he's, he's also, some generations we've, back. We've referred to him as Lee Lo Nang, which was his, uh, his mm, other name. Okay, Lee Lo Nang. And right, that, right. What, That's that his other was um, Lee Tsunyi's grand teacher. Uh, and then you have Deng Hai Chuan, who's the founder of Bagua Zhang. And it, and he was famous. He never right. lost a fight in Beijing over a 20 And then you stretch. have the founder of the Yang style of Tai Chi, Yang Yu Chan, and his student, who was Sun's teacher, Wu. And wasn't Yang's reputation was the un, the invincible. Yeah. Yang the invincible yeah. Lu These Chan. These guys were all heavy hitters. I don't know much about Wu Yishang, the, the student of Yang's. We'll have to look into that some other time. Yeah, that, we can save that for the Tai Chi season. I mean, once again, Sun Ludong is the guy who's he's naming names. A lot of I, I really appreciate that because a lot of these other books, like they just refer to shadowy figures, but he's calling out specific guys that he thought were the bomb, which is pretty cool. He he ties together a lot of the different threads of internal martial arts that we read about, and the books we've touched on all sort of have a link to him. And he's kind of this central figure that uh, I don't know. He's his name is just connected with all the other guys on one level or another, and truly. I think the internal martial arts we do today is heavily influenced by that stream. Yes, for sure. He was the, like I said before, he was the godfather of the Neja Chuan movement, right? The, the movement, the, the, right? The idea that there was a uh, linkage between all internal mm. martial arts, regardless of what mm -hmm. the external thing was. And I think that's why he went, We'll get into it later, but why he did end up going and doing Tai Chi after he was a Xingyi and Bagua master was to sort of complete this uh, theory of unification, if you will, uh, about internal yeah. martial arts. And so I think his shouting out to his grand teachers and teachers is mm -hmm. a way of saying, you know, nothing that I'm doing is new. It comes directly from these mm -hmm. guys and these guys were the best of the best. So, right. And he's legitimizing it all by including all this religious right. moral education and, and culture as well. So he's saying, look, these streams are part of the same thing. And now you can feel good about practicing Tai Chi or Bagua because it's connected to these higher. And concepts. not everybody loved that. Not that yeah. notion, but, but it, I think it did right? spark a movement that is a large Definitely. part of why these arts survived. So Absolutely. kudos to Mr. Sun for that. All right, right, until next time. Talk to you. Talk to you All right. right, great All talking right. to you. Hey, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, just a quick uh, reminder, check out the Instagram page, leave us a review on iTunes, and check out the Patreon for the Tonchu episode. All right, uh, thanks for listening, and take care.